Chapter Eleven of Almond Blossom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Almond Blossom by Olive Wadsley. Chapter Eleven. Passion and heart's desire, all of youth's splendid fire, to you alone I gave. I bade red roses wave. I raised a monument to mark the way you went. The morning was an ordeal doro kept emilia with her a long while twice she changed her frock at last it was impossible to linger any longer however much her shyness deepened she clasped tony's pearls round her throat and ran downstairs and after all she need not have felt so nervous pan was not there rex was waiting for her he got her hot toast and coffee and inquired about each little dish which stood above its flame just this doro said saving up for dinner rex inquired yes they laughed where did you get to rex asked next last night i mean i hunted everywhere for you till colfax told me with a superior air that he had advised you to rest i say doro old dicky has also gone up up the pole or to the stars or wherever you like to call the ascent towards true love he raves he dithers what do you think of him he spoke lightly but his eyes were serious oh i don't think at all doro answered we'll see no end of him this vac though he sat down on the broad leather fender seat i say doro i wonder who you will marry doro felt the colour race to her face she said confusedly oh don't be an idiot rex the door opened and pan came in we were discussing doro's marriage rex said urbanely what's your view on this momentous question pan does our view yours or mine matter isn't our outlook arranged for us doled out to us by that of doro pan answered he searched among the silver dishes leisurely rex hung on doro stood by the fireplace at last pan rose doro waited now with a sense of almost suffocating tension pan spoke to rex coming for a tramp one must do something on this sort of day thanks i don't think i will i want to save myself for hunting next week i'll come doro said good i'll be down in a few minutes doro went off too to have her boots put on rex stayed beside the fire he smiled to himself the smile matched the bleak dreariness of the day he was thinking he knows i can't walk much yet he only asked me because he knew outside cutting across the short hard grass pan said you played up very well played up doro's eyes were wide I meant you to break in just as you did then i'm glad i did but i didn't know i she flashed an enchanting smile at pan i had to be alone with you i felt and this seemed such a chance oh youth pan's morning after soul sighed within him he deplored this blatant frankness intrigue to him was one of the joys of a love affair to be unconscious of its very existence and to admit one's crime it was indeed the morning after in good earnest yet as he glanced at doro the day seemed fairer 
she was so slight and sweet a somehow splendid thing in her boyish tweeds a felt hat crammed down on her bright hair an absurd little jay feather thrust into its black ribbon her eyes holding stars within their depths as she met his glance she thrust a gloved hand through his arm pan he looked back at the house to see if they could be glimpsed decided not and pressed the hand resting on his arm gorgeous rose colour flamed in doro's face oh pan i thought you had forgotten and it really happened i keep telling myself that i say it really happened it happened he loves me he kissed me pan yes aphrodite pan couldn't you just a little baby one even if it is morning time it's christmas time too when one is expected to be generous her eager so untouched vividness thrilled him despite the after mood his caution his resolution to slow back yet even so he drew doro towards the little copse tony had just planted and kissed her there between the little innocent silver beech trees which afforded after all scant protection and needed it themselves indeed in this white light a stable clock chiming eleven somewhere pan felt out of tune with kissing a winter's morning walking over stubble land was not the hour or place for romance or only untried youth could find it so and now doro asked why must we be secret about loving pan pan gave a little laugh which held no amusement because rexford decrees it but how did he know we didn't till till we kissed if i just told him he'd be all right pan stopped in his stride he stood before doro holding her hands look here you mustn't tell rexford i cannot explain yet later i will but give me your word our secret shall be ours till i set you free from your promise i promise pan her face was lifted to his he bent and kissed the cool mouth which was so near and then despite the winter morn and stubble land kissed it again and again until its coldness changed to soft flame which lit his being to passion beneath the white arc of the hard sky they stood and kissed hands entwined dark head and shining head leaning to one another they stood so still that a rabbit which had come up to take a breath of fresh air sat and watched them carelessly and the robin near by broke into gay singing from a distant hill tony riding back slowly from pointers saw their two figures he pulled up his horse his sight was keen his range long he sat on the hill gazing and thinking an anger like a choking fever seized him he panted for breath and pulled with twitching fingers at his soft stock his face grew purple his lips had a bluish line about them he watched until the two figures drew apart then he wheeled his horse and rode towards the house doro said to pan her voice divinely shaken oh pan pan i love you i love you her eyes roamed beyond him and she saw the absurd rabbit eavesdropper she laughed deliciously pan had changed colour he swung round violently and saw a glint of grey fur doro explained 
but he seemed rather distrait. In his mind he was telling himself it was devilish open thereabouts, whatever induced me. Still, after all, kissing a pretty girl was not a crime. If Doro came by no greater hurt than his kisses, her life would not be one of deep distress. Rexford was a surly old fool. His dog-in-the-manger attitude was ridiculous. Did he suppose a girl like Doro, a girl quick with southern fire and longing, was likely to go through life unkissed? At that instant, in his business-room, to which he retreated whenever he wished to think, interpret sleep, generally, Tony was pacing up and down, his teeth shut on a pipe, his big hands locked behind his back. As Pan had thought with cynical, cheap disparagement of Doro's youth, its promise, the penalties life might extract from it, so Tony thought of her as a little girl, shod in emerald green, as a bigger girl riding for the first time beside him, racing to him on her fifteenth birthday, and hugging him wildly for his gift of a hunter. Pan, touching that straight sweetness, soiling it with his caresses, by God! He caught a glimpse of himself in a tiny old mirror, and he stood still, staring. Did he really look like that? He made a singular effort and controlled his anger. For one second he had felt the power of his two hands as if, in reality, he had held Pan's throat between them, and that sudden vision of himself in the little mirror had shown him the savage in himself. All his interest in women, since Francesca's death, had come to centre in Doro, peculiarly his, from the very first. He had felt even when he had learnt of Rex's coming that no other child would quite take her place with him. Francesca's death had deepened the belonging between them, and perhaps because Doro had been so much the desire of his dream, the embodiment of his longing, she had seemed more his than the actual flesh of his flesh had done. So much gaiety of life, gladness had come with her, and, as well, the attainment of his will, that counted too. Soiled, spoilt by Pan, a man he despised, and with every reason— the old furious resentment flared up in him again. He rose from his deep chair and plodded heavily to the window. Ah, he saw them. They were crossing the park. They would be in soon. He rang and gave orders. Mr. Greville was to be sent to him as soon as he returned. Then he waited. Pan came in on light feet, armed with suspicion, but outwardly careless. Tony said to him, I saw you in the East Plantation. Pan made no answer. He was debating his best course, and he found no easy choice. Tony kicked a log into place violently, wheeled, faced him again. You will be called to town, en route for Paris, he said harshly. I suppose a wire can reach you tomorrow. My dear chap, Pan murmured. He took out his cigarette case and chose a cigarette. A great weight settled down on Tony's heart. "'Well?' he demanded on too sharp a note. Pan permitted himself a smile. "'I am not enamoured of Hurst Point,' he said smoothly. "'But I resent being booted out of it. And Paris is so rowdy at the New Year. Besides—' His brilliant eyes had been studying Tony's face. "'Whatever you do or do not do, my dear Tony,' 
the issue of this matter rests with me he saw tony's hands clench and unclench as if brute's strength could match subtlety the little contemptuous smile flickered across his lips again why should not doro love me he asked quietly i may get free tony took a step towards him and stopped love you he echoed thickly you by god you ask me that knowing i know knowing all i know he moved his head once from side to side as if he were in pain then turned away and stared out for a very long time at the winter-bound land the issue lay with pan that was true unless pan chose could be made to choose to give up doro entirely could be forced made to accept his decision humiliation at his powerlessness dragged at tony's stubborn heart he swung round on pan with sudden force if you will go to paris to-morrow swear not to write make doro think you have simply forgotten i will double your allowance they eyed one another for an instant if you stay you will not receive one penny tony finished dully and to beg i am ashamed pan quoted with sneering bitterness you have the choice tony returned implacably pan looked at him between narrowed lids hating him with an intensity which surprised himself his mind broke its thought upon the treadmill of his anxiety to find a way out and yet save himself he had been covered and had no weapon wherewith to fight what would it profit him to refuse rexford would turn him out of hurst point doro be inaccessible his smarting vanity seized on these facts they held by their very naturalness and unavoidable truth their inaccessible obviousness some balm of healing for him only a fool battled for a cause already lost he met tony's savage stare and shrugged his shoulders slightly you make a vast to-do about nothing very well i consent they looked again at one another and after a pause pan went out he carried with him a sense of humiliation which was like a poison goad if tony had felt murderous towards him he felt towards tony a desire to stab in the dark and stab again doro was singing in the music-room he could hear her voice as if no corridor nor wing of the house intervened she was singing an italian song a thing of warmth and sheerly delightful prettiness his heart beat suffocatingly for an instant as he stood there listening he had meant doro to be a passing affair his intercourse with her a trifle of charming words a kiss or two no more he had the sense in that empty corridor of having thought to step down a safe stairway and of finding himself poised hanging by his hands to one frail support above a void he had always withdrawn himself so easily before there had been a scene he had left and quite simply for him the affair had been ended but this time doro sang on she had chosen a little french song and faintly the words reached pan he knew them of course seul el poumon mal querir he visioned her so easily that slim white throat back flung the shining head and translucent green eyes her parted scarlet lips 
all his all his for the taking more his than she knew herself more than he had the right to think but he did think he let his mind dwell on that thought whilst doro sang and baffled hungry anger grew in him dominated him thoughts which were abominable came to him thoughts without honour of infinite baseness it lay within his will still to beat down rexford's power to the lowest dust to force him to terms god to do that to smash that hellish pride to atoms he waited a little longer his darkly golden eyes opaque between their heavy lids then he went on to the music-room he saw only doro in it he did not see the convex mirror hanging directly above the piano which reflected her face in a chair hidden away rex was lying listening watching doro as she sang in the mirror above her head he saw pan's face he saw doro's eyes as she met that glance of pan's he got up instantly so that they might both realize his presence though doro of course had known he was there he waited a moment made some pleasantly trivial remark then sauntered away one of those odd fancies which drift across one's mind when it is distressed came to him to seek refuge in his father's workroom he walked along to it nick the third beside him his father rose at his entrance sorry rex said i didn't know you were here i was just just mouching about tony nodded he glanced at his son away from him he asked him jerkily seen doro she's in the music-room was a minute ago seen greville he came into the room as i left tony shot him another hard stare absently patted nick and after a moment's hesitation walked out rex took nick's head between his hands he wanted to tell me something old man he said he'd have liked to but he's so dashed shut in he can't speak easily when he's bothered nick old son it's doro and that beast greville what'll we do about it nick snuggled against his ankle because he's a greasy swine rex went on gently that describes him old son he's all that and more i've heard men speak of him now and again and when men do say anything well it's generally long after they might have done he stood up and nick sprang on to tony's so-called writing-table and gazed eagerly out of the window too of course i can't be just to him because i hate him rex said i did as a kid and a kid's likes and dislikes are amazingly sound i've come to think they know and haven't any further trouble about it whilst when we're grown up we're influenced by outside considerations we weigh qualities oh we're idiots kids like you nick no he went in to lunch wondering rather and found to his relief a crowd of people had ridden or driven over all the afternoon they played a game of poker in the evening there was to be another dance at the colfax's this time i'll drive you over doro rex said to her we'll have the coop and if we break down god help us his father was looking at him he gave a quick grunt of approval now we'll follow and pick up the fragments he said attempting jollity doro came down to rex in the white chiffon dress covered by a chinchilla coat 
which had a lining of sheer gold softest satin she seemed to bloom out of it like a tiger lily all whiteness goldenness blackness of lashes and long eyebrows indeed yes rex answered gravely on the way there doro leant against him happily she longed to tell rex the secret he always understood but she did not dream of breaking her word only it would have been so exciting just to say rex i love pan and he loves me rex would perhaps make some caustic nice sort of remark suddenly now he spoke happy doro she gave a little laugh why do you ask yes of course fess up then he guessed but he must not did i sound guilty she asked no on the contrary only very happy i can't tell you old boy doro said quickly her hand on his for a moment directly i can i will he nodded all right the car swung in between high gates and then sped up the straight avenue to the house which gleamed out of the darkness like a giant christmas tree with its myriad lights and central turreted tower cut in a dark point against the sky a moment later rex and doro were the centre of a group of people all laughing all excited all young and at one with life doro's mood met theirs she flamed into the midst of them triumphantly to be acclaimed instantly by young richard and borne away to try the floor the band had just come and richard asked them to play he and doro danced alone on a perfect floor to perfect time doro looked over richard's shoulder to see pan in the doorway and as their glances met that sweet delight raced through her veins which she felt always now under his touch his look a hideous bitterness went like some noxious suffocating wave over pan's soul in that instant he loved doro and hated rexford with the same savage intensity he had not loved her before she had been such easy winning but now that she was out of his reach forever the unattainable became as it does with a certain type of nature a nature which has been systematically indulged forever to be desired at home years before as a little boy it had been ordained that pasquale must never be crossed his will thwarted later in his life his looks his undeniable charm had assisted at the continuance of this regime whilst pasquale's own nature inclined to headlong wilfulness had allowed that wilfulness to degenerate into headlong self-indulgence to be balked by a man like rexford a thick fool whose only weapon was the chance of his birth which gave him power pan stared at doro and richard dancing together so lightly that they seemed to float over the shining floor the vision of her thus secure in the arms of this stocky self-satisfied youth intensified his sick resentment to his tortured imagination it was as if richard's arms were a conventional barricade cutting doro off from his pursuit a resurgence of that venomous desire for revenge which had overwhelmed him after his interview with rexford was upon him he stood staring with half-dropped lids at doro intensely aware of her intent on making her equally aware of him he saw the rose-colour hesitate in her face as she met his dark glance and as the music stopped she came towards him 
"'Shall we dance, too, before the others come?' she asked quickly. For answer he made a signal to the band, and put his arm round her. For a moment they stood so, and Pan could feel, under his hard enclosing arm, Doro's heart beating frantically. He knew his power, and at that instant he both hated and desired her, hated her for his own powerlessness to use his power, and desired her for her loveliness, the promise her innocence and youth gave of a wildly sweet surrender. It is possible for a man of certain intensely selfish qualities to feel the enemy of the woman he loves. That feeling held Pan now. He longed to exert the power he dared not, in order to win back for himself his sense of sovereignty and to humiliate Rexford. Passionately he longed to get at Tony, to wound him beyond bearing for having hurt his pride, lowered him in his own esteem. Wounded vanity is the strongest incentive to baseness that exists. Few women forgive that slight, even fewer men. And Pan had never laid claim to any form of godhead. He was of the earth, earthy, only he would have declaimed laughingly of an exotic earth. But any form of thraldom very quickly strips the polished shell of conventional cultivation from a man. Pan, holding Doro in an almost fierce grip, whispering words to her which were like perfume upon a flame, had lost his grip on the smooth realities of life. Passion had swung him far out from his normal, indifferent enjoyment. His hurt pride had swung him further from that suave acceptance of life, of which he made languid boast. It was as if he had been swept by a tempest, and the old landmarks were gone, thoughts he would have jibed at as melodramatic, cheaply sentimental, thronged his mind now he bent his head until his lips rested on doro's shining hair she could feel his breath like a caress and she shivered a little in his arms that look which children have sometimes of utter trust and unquestioning obedience was in the eyes she lifted to his but in hers it was mingled with clearest adoration the white worship of a dawn-time sacrifice Pan realized his moment, the gift this glance meant. He struck with his caress of passionate words at the frail barrier of Doro's inexperience. Every pulse in my body cries out for you. That's how I love you, he said very low. It was the first love speech he had ever made to her, and under the spell of its demand, its surrender, its intoxicating meaning, Doro quivered she paled to intense whiteness beneath his glance between her parted lips the words i love you seemed to flow without conscious volition as if indeed they were the utterance of her soul and beyond the control of bodily expression the music was ending pan looked into the eyes lifted in sweet worship to his own once such utter compliance with his will would have irritated him he was not of those for whom the best in the sense of the finest has a lure he preferred virtue spiced never au naturel but for the moment in his desire for victory he welcomed this entire submission doro he whispered and watched her eyes dilate until their greenness seemed almost golden round the black pupils doro in case we do not dance yes rexford saw us this morning he was is intensely angry 
will you meet me at one in the avenue i will wait for you in the shadow and we can have a moment together he released her as the music stopped and instantly richard claimed her it was nearly eleven there were two hours to be spent he went into the bridge room and joined tony pembroke and john colfax taking a malicious pleasure in spoiling rexford's interest in the game by his presence they played high and pan lost persistently of course colfax who was a bluff decent sort with his useful ideas the management of his place and a knowledge of wine made the inevitable remark she spoils you eh greville said he with a wag of his head i'm devilish lucky pan agreed suavely watching rexford's flushed hard face good as all that colfax pursued grinning from the ballroom the echo of the music came it was twelve o'clock another rubber rexford suggested all agreed half past twelve i have the next five dances booked pan said he paid his losses and walked away he felt utterly disinclined to go into the ballroom and went quickly through a side passage to a small door and let himself out the clear cold air was like a draught of champagne the stars points of white flame the shadows cut by the moonlight so dark as to seem ebon black a sense of cruel power filled pan an overmastering desire to exert that power to its fullest the weather had changed the apple-green sunset with its sliver of orange fire had foretold frost and already the ground rang iron hard the wind cut sharply pan felt no cold one of those wildly unreasonable half-fantastic moods of irrational love in which a lover as willingly wounds as adores had been bred in him slowly but surely by the events of the last days he waited without anxiety his mind swept first by one unreasoning mood then by another there was about him that hardness which can make so much misery for a woman a perverse hardness which harboured the wish to let a wrong rankle which would enjoy the prolongation of another's unhappiness because it would minister to the need of his pride and which so utterly grotesque was it could include a sense of almost savage grudge against the very being whom he loved simply because through her he himself had been laid open by the discovery of his love for her to this maddening defeat by rexford the feeling senseless as it was resembled that experienced sometimes by a person who has sustained an accident and who for evermore bears a grudge against the place where it happened it is wholly silly and paltry as is all resentment the reason for which has been our own chosen action one o'clock struck out clearly almost triumphantly and at that instant pan saw doro emerge from the house a shadowy figure hesitant for an instant then approaching him directly to-morrow might be paris absence hell for all he cared this one hour of the night was his to do with as he chose doro was beside him in his arms their lips met and for doro it seemed as if all of life until the moment pan had loved her had only existed to ensure the miracle of this kiss which flamed through her paled in its passion flamed again 
and swept her into deathless space in which only pan's soul and hers had place which swept her through whirling circles of delight so intense it seemed that life was leaving her that feeling so one could not live come back to earth again in reality she drooped in pan's arms lay fainting against his heart her eyes closed her lips pale for all their kissed passion her heart failing her pan laughed softly above the white blossom of her face his arms tightened around her aphrodite come back to me i want you darling speak to me look at me he bent his head and began to whisper between her lips words of flame which should relight the eager ardour of her love stir again that delicately wild rapture which shook her in his embrace like a leaf torn by a spring tempest doro lay still her lashes the only clear colour on her face pan lent his warm cheek to hers this is our hour before the dawn our one hour to remember always doro stirred those words pierced the enfolding veils of weary ecstasy they seemed to her overstrung mind to hold a menace her eyes opened darkly questioning you do not mean to leave me to go away her words forced pan against some explanation he recognized this moment to be propitious to himself he said swiftly i have told you rexford has been very he gave a short angry laugh even in this hour he could not stifle his resentment rexford has been damnably officious but but he can't separate us doro asked why pan why should tony be hard he isn't usually shall i tell him let me i know i could make him understand the irony of his position afforded pan a moment's cheap amusement but it brought with it the realization that some sufficiently good reason must be offered doro he offered the sentimental one which never fails to sweep a woman's heart-strings when she loves a man rexford thinks i am too old for you he was sure of the answering cry but such reckless eager denial touched him a little you old you doro gave a little derisive laugh a real laugh she could afford to be amused at such poor criticism of her god as though age could touch that faultless face the thick thick hair which looked so crisp in the sunlight and felt so soft to touch seventeen and forty pan murmured his lips on hers but even for kisses doro could not listen to a hint of heresy she said softly eighteen nearly darlingest and let's have the difference of our ages and both be twenty-nine that's a good age and one at which all pretty women stop g says pan laughed a little strainedly he had no wish for this mood of gaiety it did not fit into the scheme of things just then he chilled doro's little happiness by saying abruptly rexford is adamant on the subject of my love for you so that our happiness its future lies in your hands he lifted one soft drooping arm and kissed it from finger-tip to elbow his lips lingering in that white warmness ah darling doro whispered kindling to his caress she wound her white arm about that dark head with a sudden gesture of sweet protection and drew it close against her heart 
pan could feel the violent young pulsation against his cheek it roused in him a quickening of his own heart a swifter fire beat in him than he had ever felt he locked his arms about doro and heard her give a little startled cry and stifled it on her lips with his own pressed hard upon them all his scheming his plan to outwit rexford to tread him underfoot fled from him in this moment he was for the time being a lover in every fibre discreet emotion which could be weighed which was to have fashioned a weapon wherewith to attain his pride's satisfaction had been swept away he only knew doro was in his arms all her soft grace crushed against him the perfume of her hair her skin was like a sweetly maddening drug to his senses in her lips there seemed to be a magic potion which he drank and drank and which filled him with delirious passion words of love burnt him as he thought them he said brokenly between his ravening kisses mine mine doro aphrodite i am at your feet worshipping you worshipping you this once this once before i go i am at the gates of paradise aphrodite can you not hear my imploration ah if you loved me if you loved me as i love you you could deny me nothing at that reproach which love can never hear unshaken doro gave a little wounded cry she could speak no words the thrall of utter passion first whitest most utterly consuming was on her and she had a vision of pan's face his eyes like dark flames his vivid face seemed to her to bear some mystic imprint the wildness of his kisses had loosened her hair one strand warm and fragrant like a flower the sun has caressed slid between his lips and hers he bounded about his throat a living bond holding one to the other and that action alone the fact he could do such a thing he who sneered at every least deviation from the accepted code even in his affairs of love signalized the utter sway of the moment upon him they stood in the enshrouding darkness as lovers have stood for all time immortalized by this instant of sheer worship touched by youth eternal to doro this moment seemed unreal the place she was and was not this trembling being clasped to her lover by a strand of soft bright hair pan was no earthly lover but love itself the one mystic divine power which gave happiness and ah such passionate delight a feeling so intense it exhausted whilst it exalted little broken words incoherent helpless fell between them kiss me ah you do you do don't you my beautiful love my love and again and again that reiteration which lover seeks from lover and never hears enough my own a clock chimed a bird stirred and called sleepily doro pan pleaded whispering i'm going to drive you home now we shall be alone you and i you and i wait here he ran from her arms across the white-lit patch into the shadow again she heard his light steps grow fainter cease it seemed so strange to be alone here a roof of slenderest sable tracery overhead through which like jewels the stars shone she felt cut off from the world as if she had escaped beyond it from the house the sound of the music floated on the still cold air it seemed to mingle with the sweet confusion of her brain 
to sway to the rhythm of those passionately dear words my own my beautiful and the little tender homeliness my darling a car slid into sight stopped pan drew her in wrapped her in furs had her close to him by one arm and drove recklessly forward with his free hand all of her thrilled to this new contact her shoulder was against pan's his arm drew her ever nearer they rushed through the night and it seemed too to open its arms to them and call come come pan stopped the car for a moment and bent above her i must and he drank the kisses from her young mouth as a traveller drinks in the desert after a long wandering ah to have you wholly in my arms this way he touched the thick fur robe ah to lie in his arms so close end of chapter 11 recording by maricel quee